Welcome to the Who Needing RC Heli Podcast. This is episode 21. Today's date is 3-7-2021. We made it back, barely. <laughs> yes, yes, yes we did. Hey guys, how, I hope everybody's doing alright. Yeah, we've been through ice storm, freeze storm, cold blackouts, extended work hours. It's been crazy. We kind of don't even know where we stopped off. I think it's been a month. How long uh, it's, I bet it's been more than a month. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Just over a month. Last one was on... 124. Yeah, 124. So, yeah. Been a while. But we've been good. I've been working a ton. Actually, not really working OT a ton like I'm supposed to, but I'm supposed to be at work tonight, but that neither here nor there and i didn't make it in so i figured i'd work on the mic but other than that i've been just busy with uh getting through the ice storm stuff and staying alive at this point so why are you having to work so many hours richard oh the ice storm kind of took out all the electricity in texas and you just can't really turn the light switch off and turn the light switch on in big semiconductor manufacturing facilities. So we're getting close to getting it started back up. We'll be good. It'll be fine. I'll still have a job. So in the history of Samsung, has that place ever been shut down before up until now? I've actually never been at a facility that's been powered off like that. I mean, we've had like small glitches in the electricity. That'll take stuff out, but never a full power off for two or three days. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sure there's a process to go through that to shut it down. And I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't followed. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't followed. I don't think the city of Austin gave you guys any opportunity to or option there. Yeah, we had about an hour. I think an hour to two hours to like shut everything down. And let's just say it didn't get done before the lights went out but at least they had a little bit of warning i think i think the biggest problem was from what i watched on tv and such is if it would have continued at the pace it was at the whole grid would have shut down no matter what and it would have been like a dramatic emo shutdown type of situation so it was going to happen either a controlled shutdown that the city did or the grid was just going to like completely drop out 100% all, all at once. So I don't think it was option in it. So, so just to scale the Samsung is probably the largest business as far as uh, electricity in the city of Austin. (laughs) Yeah. They've have a pretty high electric bill. I, I bet. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate on that? It's probably six to seven million dollars a month electric bill. <laughs> oh wow! So when people started losing <laughs> power at their houses, you know, we 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 all still had power, <laughs> but we have our own substation. Um, we have a direct line to all the power plants. I think there's special contracts that are written and insurance policies if stuff doesn't happen and it's they have their all 
they have backup plans and stuff for how much this cost and everything else is all covered with insurance and doodads and stuff like that. So I'd hate to be the insurance company. I'd hate to be the person writing all the paperwork up. <laughs> yeah, that too. I don't even like the guy being the guy that fixes the tools at this point. <laughs> of course, I I don't live in Austin. I live I live in Marble Falls or just outside of Marble Falls, Texas. When Samsung was having its problems, I had my own problems like no electricity and no water. Yeah, you're out of water for days, right? And for a week. Yeah, just shy of a week. But yeah, several days we were out of water. Yeah, it's the small things in life, right? It is. You know, and I'm not one of your typical preppers. I've, I've never been a typical prepper. I've I've got stuff, okay? And I mean, I've got food storage. I've got, uh, I've got cases of water. I've got generators. I've got heat sources. But the water part, is something that I just for flushing toilets. I just didn't think far enough ahead about that. And that sucked. <laughs> as soon as the power would come on, you know, and of course it didn't stay on very long, run outside and get a pile of snow and pack it in a pan as much as you can <laughs> and, and stick it on the stove. Of course my house is total electric. So, oh man, <laughs> you know, there's that, that's it, man. It's uh yeah, it was you're melting in, water to flush the toilet. It was tough in Texas for a week, for sure. It was, for sure. It was. It's uh, it's the most impressive thing that I have ever seen. You know, I've lived in Texas most of my life, not all of it. And down here, the hill country, you just don't see it. But that's, it was, it was beyond severe. Is I know quite a few people myself that had busted water lines in the city or in the ceilings and in the walls. No, I didn't. It's uh, I think I took enough actions that prevented that, uh, but it was bad. It took quite a bit of time for us to get through. Even when they turned the water back on finally, um, and the problem at the water station was that when we lost electricity, we lost it for such a long time that the pumps were down and they don't like to just start right back up. <laughs> no, they don't. Well, these idiots here, you know, they got the pump station <laughs> in a tin building that's not insulated <laughs> and city fathers. What can I say? Well, anyway, uh, when they got it back up and running, they couldn't get water back up to the top of the tower. You know, towers where it goes to disperse, have enough pressure to go through the system or at least get it rolling. And they, they couldn't get it up to the top. It took them three days <laughs> to two, get that working. They had two guys out there with a pump just up and down, up and down, trying to get it to go. It was unreal. It really was. Well, we made it through it and we'll have stories to tell. Hopefully it doesn't happen for another 10 to 20 years. I mean, just well, think if this was like a yearly thing. <laughs> well, where I live, it's, it's pretty close to the water. And we've been through probably four floods, maybe five, in the last 
25 years. I, I still live in the same place, but we've been through quite a few floods. There's been two floods where we've been evacuated um, and water never got up to my house. But, you know, we, we've seen some things and uh, this is probably the last flood, you know, where they the, the bridge was knocked out and mm -hmm. houses were floating up off of their foundations <laughs> and floating away. I saw that stuff. I mean, that's 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 surreal when you see that kind of stuff. That's Mother Nature at her finest. It's Texas. It is Texas for sure. Yeah, no doubt. <clears throat> All right, moving along. <laughs> yeah, enough of the bad stuff. We survived the Polar Express or whatever they call it. That's a movie. No, it's not Christmas time. Speaking nope. of Christmas time, um, we saw it's been, it's been a month. So I actually was going to put this on the previous podcast, but I forgot and actually did some testing. Um, for some reason, I came up with the idea of I have a stick mover. That's my buddy Vikram stick mover. And I've played with it a little bit and we've had it out at our heli event and so forth and so on. But I came up with the idea of using it in real life. So to explain what I'm doing with this is on a brain, you can bind two satellites. So I bound two satellites to a DX7 that I have for my buddy Vikram that has an XL uh, 380, the $200 version. So I have a satellite on the model and I have a satellite on my wireless uh, RX2 SIM USB adapter. And I actually went out and tried it and let Kenny try it. So what we're doing is it's almost like a buddy box, but the guy on the stick mover obviously doesn't have control. But as I'm flying the model, the stick mover is following my inputs because it's the I have my laptop there and I have the SIM open and the stick mover is plugged into the laptop and the laptop has the other satellite with the USB SIM. That makes sense. It does make sense and <clears throat> it worked. Yeah, the SIM keeps crashing itself because the ratio to how it's do it flying in the air but the stick mover just copies the sticks whether the sim is crashed or not crashed so we pretty much don't look at the laptop just follow what i'm doing in the air well as long as you kept it in the air and high enough uh, so that the model dropped it uh it, it didn't Actually, with you crashing it, I mean, with you flying it, it uh, crashed quite a bit. But I think with me, it only crashed once. But even if it crashes, the stick mover still mimics the right. master DX7 radio that we had. And the point of that was is not to watch a sim, like Richard said. It was to get is so that the student pilot would have an idea of what the sticks were doing. In a real life, instead of watching a helicopter on a simulator, now they're watching a helicopter in real life. And I think for the most part, it works. The problem is that you have to be in a training mode where if I'm flying it, I'm talking to the person, hey, I'm going to do a front flip to nose in and, you know, do the front flip to nose in and do the small corrections. I think the biggest part is 
or the hardest part of the whole situation is is learning to follow the sticks is difficult it's it's an unnatural feeling with the stick mover yeah I, when i i think whenever i was when when i was had the stick mover in my hand it was uh i was just watching the model and feeling the sticks but those two didn't have a equal trans uh, translation if you're watching the the stick mover and and then the pilot says i'm going to do a flip like richard said and you see what the sticks do visually i think that makes more sense oh yeah I think the whole thing, I haven't messed around with it enough and actually played with it and like went on and tried to do Pirtle TikToks and watch videos or something. Um, but I think for a new person, I think it would be helpful. But I think somebody that I would call sport to 3D pilot, it's kind of, it's kind of not going to help that much. But I think a new pilot, it would help to learn small inputs and so forth and so on. But it was cool. Yeah. I mean, it, that's something I've never thought about doing. Of course, I don't have a stick mover. It's, that's one of those things that I don't know that I would buy. Um, not saying it's a bad idea. It's, I've thought yeah, about it. Just, I just... I, like I said, I have it, but I haven't played around with it and actually used it to do anything. Right. Uh, I wanted to go over failsafe a little bit again, just to remind people, um, make sure your failsafe is working, test it on the bench with no blades on. Um, I have a, a little airplane that I bought that's nitro, and I end up having to reverse the throttle at some point, and now my failsafe actually is reversed, so if I power if I power off the radio, the throttle goes to 100%, so... Just wanted to remind people, if you're doing setups for the first time, make sure you test your failsafe. Make sure it is working. Make sure it does what it's supposed to. One of these days we'll go over failsafe in depth or something. But for now, just wanted to remind people. So this will be like two or two things. But So I picked up a N5C from Kenny. It was, I don't know. I wouldn't call it crashed, but it's together. I, I have a, a lot of work, and I need to put servos in it. And bought a couple things. I got a OS50 from Kenny that I was working on rebuilding. And I've rebuilt motors, probably 10 to 15 of them. The hardest part I always have, and I, I'm putting this on here just so if anybody has a, a quick way of doing this, normally the biggest problem I have on getting the motor apart is getting the connecting rod on the piston to slip in my air quotes slip and move backwards so I can get it off of the crank um, this time it took me a good hour to two hours and heating it up and messing with it and burning my hands and forceps to get the connecting rod to, to actually slip off the to slip on the piston backwards so I could get it off the crank. I end up getting it, but there has to be an easier way to actually get that to work. So if anybody has an idea or a special tool they use or something, there has to be an easier way. 
I ended up getting it off and getting the motor rebuilt. So I've got the OS50 ready. I've got the model here. Just waiting. But now on the airframe, you didn't have to do anything on the airframe, did you? Other than put servos and stuff in it? No, I haven't done anything to it. It's on the table here. Uh, the airframe looks good. It's a torque tube drive. Okay. Airframe. And he's got a backup. Uh, I wouldn't call it airframe. I call it the front pod and a head and some spare parts. Yeah, I I actually found some more spare parts today for that one. Yay. <laughs> so did they make a slant gear? Or because you had a slant gear with it. Did they make a slant gear for that model? Or is that strip slant gear from in five I mean uh five sixteen or something? That may be a five sixteen. Okay. I was I was just I saw the slant gear and I was like, I don't know. I wonder they... if I gave you the wrong bag. I found a bag that was on my workbench that I know fits the N five C. But this was just a just a main gear by it by it by itself with the slant gear and I was like, I don't think okay. they made a slant gear. That's probably the 516. Yeah. And I did pick up on RunRider this week. We'll see if it shows up or not. Uh, I picked up another two airframes in 5C belt drive. I really wanted to pick up a belt drive in case I crash it. I can probably source a boom, a non-synergy boom, the right diameter, right size if I crash or something. And it's got more spare parts and stuff, and it was pretty cheap. So I will be back in the Nitro game. I did see a, uh, there was a post that a guy was selling, uh, he was selling some N5C parts. It was quite a few. He was wanting $200 for the lot. Mm. Now yeah. you may have enough already, but. Yeah, that's about what I spent on. And I've got slightly three to four airframes now. If Ashton doesn't steal one from me after I get it all in and inventory everything, <laughs> I kind of, uh, I kind of stole this model from my buddies, like on the last podcast that Kenny mentioned it, and I started thinking about it and was like, you know, that's not a bad deal. <laughs> Ashton's gonna hate me. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting over. It. He actually is uh, first in line when I go to sell it, so I've already got a line started. <laughs> he said, as soon as you get tired of it. You know where to come. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm looking at this uh at the all the the parts here. There's quite a few parts in this. Good. Yeah, but I don't see any main gears. I ordered uh extra main gear, so I have I have okay. a spare also. I bought one on eBay for 30 bucks or something, so so okay. I have an actual spare main gear besides all the stuff that I already have. So I should be fine. I'm going to try not to like overstock on parts for it and go crazy and then just have them sitting around hoarding them. But I won't pass on something super small. Well, unfortunately, they're not making those anymore. So, yeah, get what you can. So the Buddy 380, um, I moved it up one more tooth on the main gear. It was kind of loading or bogging a little bit. At the end of the pack, so I'm at a 22 tooth now with the, what is it, the regular smaller motor? Yeah, that's the 890 
2890 uh, kV yeah. motor. <clears throat> yes. So that is, I've put probably 10 flights on it. It's flying really good. It's a big presence. The model has a big presence in the air because of the fuselage and such. Still getting used to it, but the model is flying fabulous. The servos are great. Everything's doing exactly what it's supposed to. I'm enjoying it. You know, it. you sent me a link on that uh, where a guy took the 380 and and uh, made it into a 420 using uh, what what what? Uh, yeah, I forgot what that color scheme was. It. Uh, the, he did the Drake. The Drake, and apparently this this uh, gentleman that that did this, he contacted Kyle. And Kyle had the factory do this, the, the Drake scheme, but in a 420, and then sent it to him. I don't know how much that cost, but the model looked really good. Yeah. And I still think, I still think that the, the uh, 380, or at least the original 380, it, it uh, was happier as a 420. But that model had CG problems. Uh, the Buddy does not have CG problems. However, if you, if you stick a longer boom on there, it might. He said it was fine. He said he had to move the battery a little bit more forward, but it was fine. Okay. He also didn't know. He said he didn't. He, he didn't recall how much it cost. He said he tries not to look at those those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stop. But the myself. guys, the guy's name was uh, Sam. He contacted me on Facebook and really nice guy. I like what he did with it. His his Drake. 380 buddy slash drake looks awesome it's definitely when i crash and i'm gonna probably do something like that i think it's really cool i don't i don't know if i'll do the, the actual drake scheme or what i'll do but i actually like the the orange fluorescent orange day glow orange if you want to call it on the on the stock buddy it's very well horrible. i contacted kyle to do the the uh the stock, the, the, the original buddy scheme, but in a 420 size and, uh, which would be just a boom. And anyway, he told me that they couldn't do it at the time. No, maybe they can do it now. Yeah. Maybe they can do it now. Maybe. Um, the other thing, my 3d printer died and I went through probably three weeks of waiting for parts from Amazon since the ice storm hit and, Long story short of it, I finally got it resolved, and I am back to printing. Um, I'm working on printing a Airwolf fuselage from that Heli 3D print site. I'll put it in the show notes, but if you Google Heli 3D print, you can find it. And I'm trying to put it in a 470L. I upped the scaling on the print to 110%, and it... I think it's going to fit. I've got three or four of the main pieces done. And I'm going to try to get it bolted in this week or next week and start trying to get a setup done on it. But it's going to be a long project. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. So just out of curiosity, and I mean, I think that's cool that you're able to 3D print a, a, a scale fuse. Um I, I guess I'm a little bit worried about the weight. Maybe that's really no big deal. You and I talked about that the other day. But have you seen anybody fly that model? 
with the the 3D printed fuse? No. I think there was some I think there was some videos somewhere with somebody doing it, but the fuselage is made for like in a line 450 size. Mm -hmm. And the problem the main reason I didn't do that is because those models originally were underpowered to start with. So and I have 470Ls sitting around, and I know their power-to-weight ratio is better. And I know that I'm going to be adding about 500 grams in fuselage to it. So I'm just trying, right. I'm trying to make it to put it in a better mechanic machine that's been designed in the 20th century. <laughs> that would be cool. Other than that, that's about all I've been up to, just printing away and trying to get this N5C going before we have an event and I got to source some fuel and a couple of things more to go, but. Well, you're going to be using 30%, right? Correct. I'll be 30%ing it. I've and... got about 10 gallons of fuel. <laughs> so <Yeah>. just to <clears throat> get you, you started, I mean, you can't have all of it, but you can have some of it. Yeah, I just need something at least to get uh, made and done and start up and get the idle set correctly and stuff like that. Uh, the flight controller I'll be using is I'm doing a Spartan VX1N just because I love the governor on it. That's cool. kind of the main reason. I mean, I like the settings, the BK settings or the BERT settings also, but the main reason is for the governor setting on the Spartan is rock solid. Yeah, that's one thing I remembered whenever I was flying the Spartan was the governor on it was really nice. The The setup is actually pretty pretty slick on the Spartan, but uh, using the little data pod sucks. It's too small. Yeah, that's the other project that's on the books is I was going to, I have a magnifying glass here, like a probably two inch by four inch magnifying glass rectangular. And I was going to work on 3D printing a a zoom for it like a little case you slide it in and then you can actually see the screen bigger. We'll see if it works when I get the data data pod from you but but you can you can use the GUI on a computer to set the model up too, can't you? Uh I think you still need the data pod to connect the computer. I have no idea. I don't think there's a port on the Hold on one second. Let me look. I don't think there is. Oh. Yeah, there may not be. I don't. I don't remember. I, I, I do remember using the GUI, uh, but I don't remember if the data pod was hooked up to it or not. That's been a long time ago. Yeah, there is no port. I don't know if there's a way to do that, but I normally just use the data pod, and then if I'm wondering what settings or what, I have a link on my phone to their website and the website uh, link I have it looks exactly like the menus on the data pod itself so you can kind of figure out you can quickly go through the menus on your phone and figure out where you need to go to change X Y or Z Z in the Spartan anyway I'm happy to have the Spartan back <laughs> of course the Spartan itself is out of business I guess that's not a bad thing. There's no updates. What you get is what you get. Right. 
But I mean, there's no more uh, units being manufactured right now, is there? I don't think there is. You can still pick them up brand new. Um, I think Gas Powered Helicopters website has some in stock. I mean, they're two hundred something dollars. So, but you can find them used if said person is not buying them all up. <laughs> right. But I have one. That's all I need for a nitro. I may, if I find one online. With the data pod, I may pick up another one just in case Ashton ever does go nitro, then he'll have a setup that has a good governor. Well, if I, I might know somebody who might have some more. Yeah, I was contacting Kerry, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> think I don't think you're gonna pry him from his hands or Mike Sobe. <laughs> but they'll pop up eventually. Like they that. will. I mean, I've I see the Spartans on the, you know, Heli Freak and and Rumpy from time to time for sale. Yeah, Run Rider. There just hasn't been that that many lately. That's all I have. That's kind of what I've been doing. I got some projects on the table. Got some projects coming. I don't live in the projects. <laughs> awesome. And you, you ever so, get that Spectre flying? I did get that Spectre flying finally. Uh, it turns out that I had a cold solder joint on one of the the uh, motor leads, and uh, I'm surprised. One of the things that I noticed the uh, the uh, uh, soldering iron that I have is a uh, it's a Heiko FX eight eight. 8D, I believe. And um, the problem with that is, and, and I don't know if I had a bad soldering tip or if there was something wrong with the cord or if there's something wrong in the connection. But uh, whenever I was soldering stuff, I would lose a lot of heat really fast. And, you know, I just kept on plowing through it and working with it. I had other tips I could have probably used or tried. Uh, but I didn't, and it didn't really put, I didn't put two and two together until all of a sudden I started having these problems and I had problems two times in a row on, on the different things. And it turns out that I, I was, uh, whenever I was doing the soldering on the connectors that I had a bad soldering joint. So on the Spectre 700, I, I took all the connectors off. Uh, the ESC, the motor, um, and I did everything else, or I, I started back back uh, together from scratch and making sure that what I was doing, the, the technique uh, was, was the right way. You know, you're cleaning, you're soldering iron, you've got it set at the right temperature, you're, you're applying solder. I started using a little bit of flux to help bring the solder into the wire and uh, not into the wire, but just at the tip for tinning and, you know, cleaning between solder joints or between connectors. And after I was through, it worked well, but I do know, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and he had seen some of the same things where the, the, the temperature was going down and he could wiggle it there at the connection because it's got a little, 
uh, five pin connector that goes into the into the main body uh, where the controller is. And so he would wiggle that a little bit and the temperature would come back up. And so I don't know if that's if that's common for a Heiko. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe I just did bad solder joints. <laughs> I've been soldering stuff for a long time, you know, it's not, but it's not beyond me to do a bad soldering job. Um, well, you know, the more you do something, the more the odds are you're going to screw it up eventually. Well, we'll just say that I screwed up for now. And <laughs> I just, I don't know that for a fact. Uh, I, I do know that the, the, the soldering station that I have had, I actually gave that away, by the way. It needs a new tip. I know that. And I put, I, I had some new tips. I just didn't use them. But I did replace the soldering station. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, when it comes to soldering, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, I need to make sure in my mind that it, that, uh, what I'm doing is, is correct and that the model's not going to have a failure in the air. And so I try to eliminate as many uh, problem areas as I can. Um, and so, you know, buying good tools is in, in, in my world is buying good tools is really important and they'll pay off in the long run. So I went out and bought a new soldering station. It's a little bit overkill. It's, it's, it's a little on the pricey side. <laughs> <laughs> a little a little it was a pace ads 200 it's 121 uh soldering station it's uh you know this thing is no longer this little bitty uh, box like the heiko came in 21 gigawatts this thing is you know it's, it's got a metal frame around it and it's it's got some girth to it it's heavy but I, I do know this, uh, a friend of mine and we were, we were testing the soldering station by trying or not trying. We were desoldering wires. Let me rephrase that. He was desoldering wires using a uh, tip that's 1364. So just shy of a quarter inch. It was a big tip. And uh, we first started out at 700 degrees. And by the way, when you turn this thing on and you tell it you want it to go to 700 <laughs> degrees, it's like at 700 degrees in, I don't know, five seconds. It's not tripping the breakers. <laughs> it's not tripping the breakers. <laughs> hey, it's to, fast. You have to have a special breaker to run your iron. <laughs> anyway, we he first started using it at 700 degrees. And it took a little bit of time for it to desolder the wire. And it was 10-gauge wire that we were desoldering. Wow. Uh, I believe it was 10. And... So I then kicked it up to 750 degrees. Man, that thing just popped right off. Now wow. it does have a uh, LCD display and it tells you the, uh, the temperature of the tip. Now the tips on these are one piece. I'm sure there's a specific name for that, but it's a one piece. So the, the tip and the... Uh, 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 heater element. The heater element is all made together. It's all one piece. It's so kind of, it's kind of like the TS100 is, but a lot more. It, it is. It's kind of like the TS100, where it's all one piece. Uh, you know, like on my Heiko, that and 
like I said, I've had it for years. It's worked well, but it's got a ceramic heater in it. And then that heats the tip. And so you've got an air gap that goes between the two. And so you do have some loss in there where this one here is just one piece. So whenever he would apply it to the, you know, he would clean it and then apply a little solder on there. And then he would touch the, the uh, connector that was soldered. And within at 750 degrees within, you know, three seconds, uh, four seconds, this thing was already liquefying. And I mean, it worked really, really well. And I've started using it. I've built some, some uh, adapters and uh, redone some things, put some batteries together. And, and I mean, it, it just, it does, it works very well. The tip that I had on at 1364, so that's too big for, for soldering anything else. But I ordered a uh, eighth inch tip for it. And the eighth inch tip I like, I, I think I can use that for most things. Again, it's overkill, but it's a really, really nice soldering iron. Well, that's good. Maybe you'll uh, not have more issues. I in hope the future. not. It's good that you got it resolved, though. That was uh, that was plaguing you for a while. You've changed it was plaguing and motors me. and tons of stuff. I did because I never thought for an instance it was a connector. Yeah. And I understand. I, uh, I wouldn't I've, have guessed that. I have soldered a lot of stuff and I have never had a connector or anything desolder itself in the air. It's okay. It'll happen eventually. <laughs> well, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. It hasn't happened yet. Knock on wood. And so maybe not almost 20 years, maybe 15 years since I've been flying electrics, the heavier, you know, larger machines for the last 10. Yeah. The powers are 12 moved up in the past. Four, yeah. The five, power and everything years. has moved up Crazy. now. I've gotten older, so maybe I'm not flying as aggressively as I used to. Mm, I doubt that. Um, anyway, good tools, man. You, you just, it's uh, they pay for themselves in the long run. Yeah, I'm still I, using my Cracker Jack stuff that I got out of the box. So. <laughs> I understand. It's holding and, up. and that's okay. I mean, for everybody else, that's okay. If it works for you, it works for you. I agree. Um, I, I would be the last one to say anything negative about a technique that somebody else was doing unless they asked me to be critical. Well, you kind of ran out of room, so... <laughs> yeah <laughs> you don't I, have, I agree you don't have room to talk any crap now <laughs> that's right that's cool and so that's my soldering story uh i have been flying for the uh, well other than the the winter weekend we've we've flown every weekend at least one day um and the buddy, you know, of course, I've been flying the buddy, and the buddy, it, it's a great little flying helicopter. Um, but I am, I have made some changes on it, and uh, to try to, you know, compare A and B. Uh, I used to fly the V control stuff, the Neos, all the time, and and I still have most of my stuff, not all of it, but I still got quite a bit of stuff. 
Well, I, I decided to put a Neo on the buddy just as a comparison to the other units I've been flying. And, uh, well, it turns out that the Neo <laughs> that I put on there was an older one that was non-V-Link, and I had a satellite that was probably the original satellite that I bought with the original V-Control that I had. Because used to, whenever you buy a V-Control, you got a satellite with it. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And so I've had this thing a long time. Anyway, uh, I wanted to see what the anti-gravity is. You know, it's if you remember, I have a uh, OMP or had I had an OMP, and there was something that was odd about doing flips on that model. And and the reason why I say that is is it always you know whenever you would flip, it would flip what appeared to be normal on the top end, but on the bottom end, it seemed like it rolled a little bit more, like it it. Uh, uh, the the Blades circle the, stalling or something. No, I don't think it was stalling, but I think that the the circle was just oblong, where you know where it looked correct at the top and at the bottom, it made a larger circle. Which uh, maybe that's collective timing. Maybe that's just because it's a small model, and uh, me not getting used to it. But I have flown that model a few times, several times, and. That's something that I never really got past. Now, the uh, Mikado Logo 200 and V-Control, they, they talk about the, the anti-gravity. And I know what the anti-gravity is doing, but I've never, I've never used it. I don't know what it feels like. So I decided to put the Neo on the Buddy and then pull my you know trusty original V control radio back out and hook it up, get all the updates done and, and see what anti-gravity is about. Well, I have flown it already uh, a few times with the Neo, but this past weekend at the, at the H cam field that the you and I and, and Bob goes to all the time. We, uh, or I got out there, model spooled up, lifted up in the air, everything seemed fine. And I was probably six feet up off the ground, seven feet, wasn't, wasn't real high. And then all of a sudden the tail just turns 90 degrees. The model kind of canters to the left a little bit. Uh oh. And, and I'm thinking, oh crap. And I hit throttle hold. Well, I didn't have it. So that thing that Richard was talking about earlier, the fail-safe, guys, 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 make sure fail-safe works. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important that throttle Very, very, zero. very important. Fail-safe saved that model. Because when I was flying, I had it level, uh, we'll call it level. And when it turned, it was off level a little bit. And then it canted a little bit, and uh, and then it just came to the ground. That's and awesome. so, but failsafe saved the model. Um, 
And the only damage that I can see so far is it got the tips of the blades. I was actually working on those blades earlier today. I sanded them a little bit and put a little bit of CA on the tips. It didn't crack the, the uh, carbon fiber, but it knocked a couple of pieces out. So I just CA'd them. I'm going to try it out. Maybe they don't work and I have to get some different blades. And I'm fine with that, but I'll try them. But it did that. It stripped out two of the servo horns. Um, so weakest point. And I think everything else is okay. But when the model hit, it, it hit pretty hard on the front left corner of the skid. And it started to tip over and then it caught the blade and then it righted itself. And then I gained control back. And so, but it, it was definitely a brownout. I went and looked and I had a loss of signal. And it, and it showed fail safe on the, on the uh, screen. It's crazy. That's yeah, I was surprised that that happened. You were at HCAM, correct? The yes. South Austin field? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That field has some, some definitely has some, some ghost, signal ghost. Well, you know, what's interesting is in that same area that I was flying uh, earlier this past, probably summertime-ish this last year, uh, Bob was out there flying, and I think he was flying his 470. He had a brownout as well. And so, you know, it's, I don't, I don't remember what he said the problem was on his, because we were looking at the receiver, we were looking at the antenna wires, uh, connectors, you know, make sure that all the, everything seemed tight, uh, looking at log files. And I don't, I think he said there, he found something, but I don't remember the details of it. So I don't want to talk, talk about it, uh, and say the wrong thing yeah there's been a lot of people have have had brownouts at that field so well i was shocked i was i, I was shocked. not ready for that i'm shocked. shocked also yes i just pray it doesn't happen to me pray 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 well the last time that happened to me that was uh the K kds a7? No, no. See that? Yes, that it happened on that one right there. But that was a me problem. That oh. was that's that was a setup uh, issue. That was a setup issue. On this right here, it was just a legitimate. It went into failsafe. So let me ask you something. Uh, you know the the antenna holders that uh, you've made some three D printed ones. You can buy them at uh, Mikado. The the little Ys. Mm -hmm. You you double sticky tape it to the boom or wherever and and you put your antenna wires in there okay can you cross the antenna wires uh in the new one that i printed that's that has the square channels uh-huh you can you can cross them the normal ones it won't let you it has a, a left a left tube and a right tube it doesn't let you cross them over the normal ones don't i don't think it would matter signal wise 
Well, I wouldn't think so, but the the antenna wires on mine were crossed. I don't think that on makes that a same one that you gave me. I don't think it makes a difference. It should. I bet we know somebody that'll let us know the answer to that. Yeah, but when when the model's sitting, I mean these these radios will go two miles easy, and the model's sitting in front of you, let's say forty feet. Right. I don't think an antenna wire orientation matters. I mean, I've had antenna wires where that I tuck them under the frame. I mean, even on sure, even on the oxy now, I'm running a, a light air quotes. It's a light receiver. It has real short antennas, just little stubbies instead mm -hmm. of the, the long ones, and I can fly the oxy as bigger as I want, and I don't have problems. I don't. I don't. I don't think the antenna has a was a root cause, but that's just my opinion. Well, since I don't really know what the root cause was, I'm going to assume it's in the antennas or it's in the connector that goes between the the Neo and the satellite. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't have any way of knowing for sure. So now I'm pulling it off and I'm putting a, a, a standard, the Neo V-Link on it. That'll work. Yeah. So and you can buy new antenna wires too. I know that. Yeah. I need to send and I may do that. Get back. some new antenna wires and some new connectors. Just put some there's... 10 gauge antenna wires on it or something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, after that, uh, just a reminder to everybody, Heli's over Apache Pass. May the fifth through the ninth now the fifth is on a wednesday uh we've typically gone out there on wednesday and thursday ahead of the the group the crowd the uh, pilots usually come in thursday night to friday and even saturday uh, hopefully the weather is better this year uh, well last year it was, it was got canceled <laughs> last year because of covid last year the weather was great that day that's right. The weather was great last year. The year before that, it was it was great first couple of days, three days, and then the last day sucked. <laughs> but we do have some people coming in. Uh, RC Bearings is coming in. Spoke to Frank M. with XL Power. They said that they would do a donation. Morieos. Huh? Morieos. Morieos. <laughs> I know that uh, uh, Only Fine Helis is going to do a donation. I need to write all that stuff down. I think I wrote some of it down. Go back through the list. Yeah, we'll do that. It's the... Yeah, we, we still have some things that we need to do uh, and things we need to work out, of course. It does seem like things are a little slow right now as far as as far as picking up the the pace on it, uh, Richard and I both, I'll, I'll say me more than anybody, I have some work distractions right now <laughs> that are keeping me from, it's not keeping me, I'm just distracted. I'll just say, I'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, uh, but the event's going to be a normal. We're going to have, you know, the porta potties. We'll have light towers. Uh, believe yes. we agreed upon $30 pilot registration fee. Correct. Just to make it easier and not do fives and so forth and so on. But it's um, about it. We're going to have a good time. We are going to have a good time. It's been a while. Some people need to get out and come fly. It'll be good. It'll be good. We'll it will it. be. It'll be an awesome time. Anyway, the last thing is uh, traded for an XL380, the MSH, with the larger boom and the red canopy. Who'd you get that from? I don't know. <laughs> All in the family, right, Richard? Yeah. So I have a Gowie X5 V2 <laughs> Where'd you now. get that from? I have no idea. <laughs> New in box. Still has the plastic saran wrap on it. <laughs> yes. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. We'll see. It's sitting here. I haven't opened yeah, it. Yeah, you gave me a model, and there's like there, there's not a servo one on it. There's no motor. There's no <laughs> ESC. There's no servos. <laughs> There's not even a blade on it. You know, sometimes you come out on the good end of the deal and sometimes you don't. <laughs> yeah, I need to go back and look at that one. Uh, yeah, it may not have been the best deal on your end, but I don't need the 550, so I may end up using it for parts. For I know Vince has one and Shane has one, so maybe they'll pile one in and they'll pay, pay me money for it or something. Who knows? There you go. You can pay me a commission if you do. A commissions fee. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start putting that in writing. Oh, yeah. I may, I need to think about that prior to. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I, I'm really glad that you got the Spectre 700 issue fixed and resolved. That's just weird how it would work, but it just wouldn't spool up to the right head speed. And there was no, it wasn't like it was cogging or showing signs of a cold solder joint it's just you know interestingly enough uh, that you say that uh prior to redoing all the solder the connectors the 1700 was topped out i mean topped out that that was it <laughs> but that thing was buttery smooth oh it's a quiet model yes it's quiet of course, now the RPM is much higher, and and I'm sitting at eighty percent. You know, have you flown it? Flown it yet? I have. Well, uh, I'm going to say yes and no. Each time I've tried to fly it, it has been wind crazy windy. Oh, windy day! So you can't actually give a not a comparison, but your opinion that is on correct. it at this point. Yeah, the, the wind here here lately is just last Saturday, not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before. Bob and I went out to the field, and in the morning it was drizzly, rainy, and then about 11 o'clock it finally stopped. 11.30-ish or so, the sun finally came out, and we started flying out there, and then the wind got up 20-plus miles an hour, 25. I mean, it was freaking windy. And it was like that the rest of the time uh, we were there. And then, and then yesterday, 
uh, got out to the field and and it was windy from the time we got there to the time that we left. I don't like flying in the wind. Well, I mean, it's it's okay. Uh, I mean, it certainly you know challenges you as as a pilot. But when the air is a little bit on the chilly side, <laughs> it just gets cold when it's windy. Yeah, very, very true. <laughs> let, let me tell you a little story right quick. So yesterday I uh, left the field and we went and ate lunch. And then I'm driving over to uh, Kyle. Um, so when you leave the field and... Uh, you get on I-35 or you're going to it, there's slaughter and slaughter will take you to I-35. And then I-35 is, especially that time of day is typically a parking lot. <laughs> I-35 is always a parking lot. Anyway, I'm driving down the road and I'm minding my own business, you know, and I'm, you know, it's, it's start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. Well, I finally started getting some speed and I'm probably 15 miles an hour maybe 20 a suburban hits me in from the from behind i mean he runs right right into my pickup and uh it jars me you know and and uh whenever i looked in my rearview mirror this kid <laughs> he, he is he's a kid this kid i can see him he's he's uh, going towards the window and so I, I start pulling over right after that happened. Oh, and one other thing, whenever I looked in my rearview mirror, of course, he slowed down and we got some space between us. Uh, his front bumper is like a V. <laughs> so I wasn't really worried about my truck. And the reason why this is, is because I've got a, I've got a trailer hitch on the back of it with a two and five sixteenths ball. And this is the second time that this has happened, that somebody is, has, uh, tap me from the back end and it puts this nice little indention right in the middle of their bumper <laughs> because their bumper is the same height as the ball is and so they didn't hit my they hit they hit me but they hit the ball they didn't hit the bumper or the tailgate they just hit it the didn't hitch. hit the bumper or the tailgate it just hit the ball and i mean it's dead center in the license plate <laughs> and so i pull over and this kid I guess he panicked. Uh, either either he panicked uh, because he just didn't know any better and he was scared, or he panicked because he didn't have insurance. But he took off. <laughs> he gone. And I thought, you little tick turd. And so I got back out on the highway. I didn't even stop to look at the back end of the truck. Look like I just got back out on the highway, and there was already a couple of cars that had passed me and traffic was picking up speed by that time. And I got back in behind him and I took pictures of his license plate. I just left it at that. I wasn't going to run him down. <laughs> well, I did run him down, but I wasn't going to run him down to confront him. Just, yeah. It wasn't worth it. I don't know who this guy is. Not worth your life. No. So I'm going to call my insurance company tomorrow. Just, so I can report it. There was no damage to my truck. And he hit me from behind. So. Well. 
It's doubtful he's going to come after you to fix his truck. <laughs> I doubt it. Or the suburb. I doubt it, but I'm still going to call. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hopefully they don't raise your rates. <laughs> I know. I thought about that. It's like, uh, I don't know. Well, the insurance adjuster, I've known him for the last 25 years. And so before I do anything, I will, I will talk to him just to get his advice first. Yeah, that's a good idea. I doubt they would do anything, but that's just good. Got anything else? I don't have anything else. That's it. So we're going to pass on the main topic just because we're just trying to push one out. We've got a couple ideas. Um, I got an email from Paul Reichsby. He kind of wanted us to go over fly barless tuning. I probably butchered his name, but he sent me an email at the end of January. Just giving me an update and email on the podcast and so forth and so on. But he was wanting us to go over fly barless tuning a little bit. I may do some of that. I don't I don't really tune my fly barless that much from the stock settings. I I do a little bit of rates and stuff, but maybe maybe one day we'll we'll go over that some, but I appreciate the email. Did he say what flight control system he's using? Just to make sure it's relevant? He didn't say what flight controller, so email me back and tell me what flight controller you kind of want each yeah he wanted us to go over what fly barless that we've used before pretty much kenny's okay. used all of them <laughs> <laughs> uh, techniques and procedures so forth and so on so kind of need to go over but, but yeah get paul get with me and let me know what exact flight controller obviously i'm really good at brain and spartan and kenny's done a bunch of them in the past but yeah give us an exact what flight controller and we'll We'll try to get some stuff on there, but appreciate the email. Uh, what's new? I did see that XL Power has a frame set upgrade where they go to, instead of the traditional two servos in the back, one in the front, they go to the 45 degree out servos. So they're easier to install and work on. How much was that? I think it was $99. And I don't know if that's available in the U.S. yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it. At, I haven't looked for it on HeliDirect or anything like that. But it's a frame set up upgrade. It comes with bearing blocks and side frames. And that's about it. Some screws. I think it's a really good idea. I think it's it's going to make the model a little bit easier to wire. Yeah, I was thinking about that too because that should fit my old, uh, the the original uh, Evo 380. Yeah, it should fit the Evo 380. It should fit the XL Evo. It should fit the Big Boom. The only one it's not going to fit is the uh, $200 cheaper version. It's not compatible with that one. Right. And that's not something that I would do unless I had a reason to do it, you know, in a crash. Yeah, they have a manual here for it and Dropbox and all. Wow. I would, I think it's a good upgrade, my opinion. I think it's worth my it. My opinion, I agree. Take it for $100. If you crash and break the frames, 
-hmm. go ahead and upgrade it. As far as watching, I've been looking at some of the old Tony Whiteside videos. I've been hunting the one where he was at Urcha flying over in the Heli Freak tent. I haven't found it yet, but do a search for Tony Whiteside. He has a kind of a cool pirouetting, kind of a pirouette style flying style, I would say. I enjoy watching him. I haven't seen him around in a while. I don't know if he's still in the hobby or if he got out or not. I haven't I haven't heard anything from him. Yeah, it's like Pete and the Otis. He was one of the tops as far as pirouetting. Yeah. It's good to see. Good to watch some old videos. Need to do some of that later on tonight. Watch some some pirouetting early 2000 videos. Flybar days. Flybar days. You know, we were talking about that yesterday. We were talking about flybard flybard versus flybarless. And uh, I made a comment to to Bob that I believe that using a, a flybard model, there was things that it it did for me. It was easier to do on a flybard model, like a pirouetting flip, versus a flybarless model. I've flown some fly flybard models, but to be honest, I was such a newbie. I sucked. I couldn't barely flip and fly inverted at that point. So I I really don't have any like 3D flight comparison between flybarless and flybard. So no comment yeah. for me, I guess. I enjoyed flybard models. I still I still have models with flybars. My EMVs, the nitro variant and the Oh really? It's a flybar. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I have flybarless too. Mm. But I still have the flybard heads. Cool. And I've thought about, you know, putting one together. Just, I still think that the EMV Nitro was the, that is my all time favorite Nitro helicopter ever. Get off your ass and put it together. But at the go well, get Vince Carter to help you put it together, or what? He's got a lot of experience with those models. <laughs> I talked to him a couple of nights ago, mm -hmm. just, just text messaging back and forth. He said he was going to come out to the field for the Apache Pass event, <laughs> or hell, he's over Apache Pass. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Lies. <laughs> if he shows up, we'll have to take a picture just to make sure it happened. <laughs> I hope he does. Document I it. do. Yeah. I miss him. I, I miss watching him fly. You know, I hope cool that... There's a lot of people we haven't seen in a long time. Joe Duran, Vince. Pete Delacruz. Pete Delacruz. From Houston. Vikram. Yeah. Vikram wasn't at the last event. We need to get some of those Houston guys. I don't know. Is is Pete Delacruz still in the hobby? Uh, I've heard him mention on some of the other podcasts. Uh, he left some... Uh, comments or Podbeam comments or something like that. I've heard. Okay. So I don't know if he's still in the hobby. He's probably, you know, even if he's not in the hobby, I still like to get him to come out and take some pictures. He was always had the camera sure. in his hand and taking pictures and really cool stuff. So even if he's not in the hobby, I hope he comes out. Everybody awesome. Come 
Everybody come out. Everybody come out. Everybody come out. Everybody come out. That's about all we have uh, buying and selling. Um, I've just been buying N5C stuff or stealing it, whichever one you want to call it. <laughs> I sold a 516. Yay. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. He's the one that got me hooked up on that one. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A friend of a friend. Yes, a friend of a friend. That's a good model. It is. I hope it. the N5C is just as good. It's going to be better. At least the N5C I got from you, I don't want to worry about solder joints or anything. Nope, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> anything else, man, I, just, I don't know. Yeah, I need to check my order. Um, I got some stuff in for it. and I know I ordered fuel tubing. I ordered uh, a SAB fuel clunk. Mm-hmm. ordered a bunch of stuff. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. But... Did you all. just receive a text message? Yeah, Vikram just texted me. Okay. I called him. I sent him a bunch of texts and he never like even replied, so... He still got my car. <laughs> I was just fixing to ask if you got your car back in one piece. Nope. I still have the Jeep sitting outside that he dropped off. So. I don't like loaning cars out, but for somebody like him, I've, we've we've went over the ground rules of if something happens, <laughs> you're paying to get it fixed. You're paying the insurance. <laughs> X, Y, or Z. So. Hey, you late. offered to loan me one. Yeah. I, I've... Don't mind loaning it out, but you know, it definitely comes with some responsibilities when you drive somebody else's vehicle. So, it's no big yeah. deal. Stuff happens. Is that it? We done? That's it. So we'll try to get back with you guys in another two months. <laughs> it won't be that long. <laughs> We'll see the next time. Hey, in my defense, I have asked Richard a couple of times, Hey, let's do a podcast. And he was asleep, just getting up. Yeah. Very true. Maybe had a, a too few many bottles that were empty. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ice storm, man, it was difficult. It was stuck at home with wife, wife and kids equals a couple em- empty bottles. And I was here by myself. Yeah. No power, power, no power, no internet. That's crazy. So, other podcasts we have. Give these guys a listen. These guys have pushed some out at the beginning of the year. Some of these are really good. Uh, for some reason, I can't figure out who's on what podcast anymore. We've had, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't know if they're just mixing it up or what the deal is, but we've had Frank on different ones and it's just been crazy. I don't know who's who's on what. We have Heliheads with I'll go with the names this time just because Heliheads we have Skids, Yard Cell, Gucci, and Fence Post. Freefall, we have Kevin, Steve, Andy, and Ian's on there. Ian's been a ball to listen to. He's just a ball of laughter. We have Skids Up with Paul Frank and Javier, BK with Bert and Kyle, Telerotor with Rich, Michael, Robert, and Mike, and Birdie Down Under. I don't think they've had one lately. With Ozzy Mozzie and Jeff Smart, 
RC scrap pile. Uh, it's mainly an airplane, 3D airplane, crazy, have fun, great time podcast. They have a spinoff of that podcast called Nuts and Bolts RC Podcast, where they're going over technical topics. Um, and RC Element with Todd, Bill and YouTube channel. And then again, remember Run Rider has tons of videos for streaming purposes. I think that's about it. If you need to get a hold of me, it's HoudiniRCHeli at gmail.com. I'll try to mention your email on the podcast if you send me one. Or send me a message on Facebook. Facebook's really good, but the email, I kind of keep a running documentation of the inbox, so it doesn't go away. And Kenny is rcnuts at gmail.com. Yes. And... Uh, I'm probably going to use the intro music I used last time. So uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. It's pretty cool. Background music, I would call it. I thought it was pretty decent. I so, did too. So if I find As a something matter of else. Fact. Yeah, since Kenny mentioned it. That's about all I have. I think that's a show. It's, we're probably about an hour and 10 minutes in so it's a little short but we'll try to get a main topic or ramble on about something else next time within the next two one or two three weeks so that's it guys and hopefully by then we'll uh i may have some news on some changes i'm going through and yay yay hopefully i can announce some changes too i've working on some some deals also i did get my awesome. shirt in finally yay which shirt is that i, I can't say <laughs> <laughs> can't officially say at this point so, oh come on nope not doing it next time maybe maybe not that's all i have guys stay in the box be safe don't escape i'm out stay safe guys till next time Later. See ya. Eight forty to seven fifty seven. That's not bad. Nine fifty seven. Well, now Vikram's gonna blow me up. I can hear that. Yeah, it's on my desk. <sighs> I still have your phone. I mean, car, not phone. <laughs> So do you want to try to meet up tomorrow for lunch? Mm.